Let's go to the UK. Dan Bloom is deputy polit- uh, deputy editor, I beg your pardon, of Politico London Playbook. Good morning. Welcome. Good, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. What's happened with Labor's annual green investment pledge? Is this a big policy that's been given the, the dump? So uh, some people have been calling it Schrodinger's green investment because it's at once dead and not dead, like Schrodinger's cat. For the last few weeks, um, this great pledge, which this great big pledge, I should say, which Labour announced in 2021, that it would spend 28 billion a year on green investment. That's everything from insulating houses better to kind of pouring money into green car production and offshore wind and all this sort of thing. Uh, to basically decarbonise the economy by 2030 has been sort of salami sliced back over the last few months. Uh, First, it was going to be only hitting 28 billion in the second half of the parliament, you know, two or three years into a Labour government if they win. And then it's dependent on the fiscal rules, which means that if they have to borrow, they wouldn't do it. And then it's dependent on what the government leaves on the table. And Labour is basically concerned. that the Conservative government in what could be its last few months of office is going to spend lots of money on tax cuts that politically the Labour Party doesn't want to reverse because it would be unpopular in an election. And so you've got to this situation where it's been all but killed off, but you've still got the leader of the party supporting it in public. And it's emerged in the last hour or two, thanks to the Guardian newspaper, that Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party, is going to be making an announcement tomorrow, on uh, tomorrow British time, I should say, Thursday for us, uh, that essentially this 28 billion figure is no more. It is dead. It has shuffled off its mortal coil. But boy, did it take a long time to get there. And it's prompting questions about you know, how Labour manages these sorts of announcements and how it's going to do it when it's in government, when there's a sort of different £28 billion issue that could walk along every other week. There's also dissatisfaction within the party that can arise, right? Uh, And there's been plenty of pressure points for Keir Starmer of late. How would you describe the mood of his caucus? They're miles ahead on the polls. That always helps, doesn't it? It certainly does. And I think um, a lot... When you talk to Labour MPs and aides and the rest of it off the record, um, they tend to maybe gripe a little bit sort of about the micro detail of how things work or who's telling who to do what and how they're doing it. But overall, it's still quite a united team. You haven't got what you have in the Conservative Party where they are in public, like completely saying that the other person's strategy is terrible and going to lose the election. And the simple reason for that is that it's probably not going to lose them the election at this point. You've, they've got an enormous poll lead. They've had it for quite a long time. It hovers around sort of 15 to 20 points. And it looks like they'd have to do something quite wrong um, to lose that election. But the problem is, and what some people in the Labour Party raise, and especially the Labour left, who are very, very unhappy about the way that Keir Starmer has, has run the party and has pushed policy, is that it's not very ambitious. The 28 billion was the big commitment that was going to be the the thing that sort of stood out from everything else in terms of its scale. And now that that is being paired back, Keir Starmer's office would say it's being done to make it realistic, to make sure that it's affordable and credible. But uh, people who are critical of him would say, well, actually, this was our one great hope to actually go beyond the humdrum of daily politics and really 
boost the green economy or whatever you would say and, and and it's potentially not going to happen as fast or far as people were hoping. What is the latest information on King Charles? Of course we heard about his prostate uh, um, medical treatment and then were informed by the palace as an aside to that that he has a separate cancer. I note Prince Harry's um, been and gone already to see his father so that's one part of the story but first what do we know about the seriousness of this and where things are at Dan? We know very little about the seriousness of it. Um, The Buckingham Palace has a tradition, unlike US presidents, of being very, very closed off with how much information it gives about the monarch's health. When it was the Queen before she died, Queen Elizabeth, uh, you would get very, very little. They would say she had mobility issues, but not what those mobility issues were and all this sort of thing. So even saying that he has cancer is a pretty big break from tradition. But what they haven't said is what type of cancer it is. It's not it's not thought to be prostate cancer uh, and kind of where things go from here, what sort of treatment he's doing, that sort of thing, because that's still seen as private information. Um, what was said was that he was grateful for the swift action or, or something along those lines. And that was sort of repeated by Rishi Sunak as, as catching it early. And what was not clear was whether uh, it had been caught early and, and the prime minister was sort of going slightly further than the palace in repeating that or whether it was just, you know, a, a slip of the tongue and he meant to say swift action or, or what have you. Um, what's interesting about this is that uh, the king, uh, especially in, in the UK, has a lot of kind of formal functions. Laws can't be passed without him, even though, you know, he would never say no to one in practice. Uh, his stamp, his signature has to be on a lot of different things. So he has all these official duties which are continuing, even though he's not doing visits, uh, meetings with foreign leaders and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's brought a lot of that. A lot of people are thinking about, you know, if he's in hospital for treatment or what have you, uh, how will that work? And th- those questions are still sort of slightly lingering because we don't know quite how it will go. Uh, Prince William himself, of course, is the heir to the throne and would uh, also be expected to be one of those stepping up here for public duties. He's got his own family issues at the moment um, uh, as well. And I I guess it just throws the spotlight in some ways, doesn't it, on uh, succession again. Um, Nobody would would hope for a moment that that, that anything's imminent, but it can't help but throw the spotlight on it. also, Princess Anne and others will step up and do a lot of the day-to-day signings, openings, ribbon-cuttings, visits, a known workhorse. Uh, and is that is that what's unfolding? Uh, yes, that, that's unfolding already. I should say very clearly, you know, no one in the UK is really talking about this as a succession issue. No one's looking at it like that. Um, there's no hint that it's it's coming to that it's at that more... level of seriousness nonetheless it, it, exactly it, it causes it's, pause it's doesn't huge... it when the former monarch made it to nearly a hundred <laughs> exactly yeah. and and it um and it's sort of it, the question is more as you pointed out kind of who does all of the things that the king does and the people that you've mentioned are what's called councillors of state where if the king is you know, incapacitated is sick is having an operation is um you know in, in other ways not available these people can step in and essentially be the king in the king's absence and it's all family members obviously royal family and it's i think sort of about four or five of them in practice and a couple more because you have prince harry and prince andrew both of whom are not working royals 
um, on paper, even though they wouldn't actually be called in. So uh, that is the plan, and that 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 role kind of applies from uh, less serious to the more serious uh, circumstances where you know if he was he was extremely ill. Do you think there will ever be any more openness about this, or will we all just keep calm and, and, and carry on? I suppose. Um, uh, I, I'm meaning that the um, King Charles's situation. Um, I am very much not an expert on on royal, royal protocols. Matters, what I, <laughs> but what I, I mean, it's just obvious that the palace has become more open about these things mm. down the last few years. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a very dramatically different, and so I don't think it would be unreasonable to say, you know, if there was a development or something like that, that they would be open about. Right that. But, um, now, Rishi Sunak, um, Rishi Sunak, the prime minister, also facing calls to apologise over what what happened in the house this week. Yes, so um, we've had a, a, a horrific case in the last week where a schoolgirl called uh, Brianna Jay was um, was was murdered, and she was a transgender uh, schoolgirl. And what was found, she was murdered by two fellow teenagers who were very sadistic and uh, searched for all sorts of terrible things on the dark web. And the judge ruled in the case that um, her status as a transgender teenager was one sort of secondary motivating factor uh, behind the the people who murdered her, particularly one of them. Um, this uh, this boy referred to her as, as it uh, rather than using, you know, he or she pronouns. And um, cut a long story short, um, her mother has become sort of a campaigner unexpectedly and is, is speaking about whether social media should be restricted for teenagers. And it has been on the main political interview show this week and was in the House of Commons today for Prime Minister's questions. And she hadn't actually arrived yet. She was running late. But um, Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, said, uh, you know, her mother is is in the public gallery uh, for PMQs. Uh, and then a couple of minutes later, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, kind of read off almost a sort of pre-agreed list of all of Keir Starmer's U-turns and one of them was a joke about um, uh, something he had said in response to an interview about whether a woman can have a penis. And uh, that was uh, kind of called out. There were Labour MPs shouting shame. And uh, Keir Starmer basically said that it was a terribly insensitive thing to do to sort of lean into what has been called culture wars um, while, you know, someone who has lost their child was was there was in, in the, the house Parliament. so was there an apology yeah. dan there, and that's the thing there has not been an apology uh, downing street say that they're very clear that this is a justified reference it was not about uh, this murder case it was not linked to it and they say that keir starmer is the one politicizing it nah. can't take the politics out of politics can you dean thank you very very much dan bloom deputy editor of politico london playbook